the past. I'd like to address the concept of miracles um, and how we commemorate them, but not only there's obviously on the communal level, which is what Hanukkah is about, um, but there's also on a, on a personal level. If someone had a personal, um, I want to use the word savior since we're just discussing Christmas, but <laughs> a personal uh, a miracle occurred to them, so there is a halacha, and we'll discuss that. So the, basically, as we know, the miracle of Hanukkah, there's really, it's, it's a myth. There's two things that we Think about medical celebrate. miracle. No, well, before medical, we're not at medical yet. Okay. I'll get there. So the the miracle of Hanukkah, interestingly enough, is about two really things that occurred. Two miracles. One was the everyone knows about the lights. That's the easy one. Everyone we light the Hanukkah, and it's the uh, the oil of one day burned for eight days. There's, there's that meme going around that mine, with, you know, with the cell phone. It's like you have a cell phone, just you know, enough Battery you know, enough for batteries one for one day, yeah. and it lasts for eight days. It's a miracle. That's the way they relate to it today. Um, so, so, uh, so, but, so that's a very nice, that's a nice miracle, but that's a ridiculous reason to make this massive holiday and, and eat, uh, you know, five pounds of suganiyot and endanger your life with the latkes and everything. That's, that's not necessarily a reason. The real reason is there was a military victory. We won a small band of the Maccabees, won over the Assyrian Greeks, a, 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 the, the mightiest army at the time in the universe, they were the superpower, and this small little group of uh, rabbis won this war. So that's, that was the real victory. Now why do we celebrate uh, the famous thing is the lights? Is because, because there's a concept in Jewish law, when a miracle occurs, you have to thank Hashem. You have to make a blessing, you may, and if it's a communal miracle, we make, you usually make a holiday. It's a personal miracle, something that you were saying, let's say, Holocaust survivor was saved, uh, or someone was, in a, was kidnapped, or whatever the case is, and he gets out of, uh, he gets out of the, gets freed. So that, every year on that day, he would have to make a personal holiday. He makes, it's called a Suda Sada, a, a, a meal of Thanksgiving, and you're supposed to thank Hashem, you're supposed it's to not like invite your friends. Realistic. No, it's related, that's what I'm getting to, getting to in a second. So, so the, the, but when it comes to miracles, there's two types of miracles, as we know, and we've discussed in the past. There's what we call an open miracle, that means a miracle that's what called shalok yiderachateva. That means it's it's not within the realm of nature. The real definition when we think of a miracle, what do we think of a miracle? Is something that's beyond nature. Okay, you have enough oil only for one day; it lasts for eight days. That's beyond nature. Okay, as we always discuss, the state of Israel, let's say, is miraculous. They won every war more or less since 1948 against unbelievable eight other nations at the same time. People, ama amazing stuff. It's miraculous. It's no question. As we mentioned, the um, the the uh, in West Point they do not study Israeli wars because they don't make any sense. There's nothing to study. You can't learn anything. We can't learn military strategy from Israeli wars because they don't make any sense. They're really, they're really miraculous. But it's not an open miracle. Meaning, even though the state of Israel won the war, you can say, okay, listen, uh, I don't want to degrade Arab armies. God forbid, but uh, they're not the, the most, uh, they're not the best, um, okay, even though they might have the technology, whatever the reason is, there, there's ways to explain it, maybe, rationally, or, or at least, it's not what we call an open miracle, nothing was against nature, they fought a war, people died in the war on both sides, there was terrible things that happened, atrocities, and it was a war, it was within the realm of nature, so on that, you don't make a blessing. By the way, the halacha is that if you go to somewhere where a miracle occurred, let's say you'd be crossing the Red Sea, you're going to Egypt, and you're in the place where the Red Sea was split, which we don't know where it is, Manny will tell you, might never happen. There's no archaeological evidence. Um, if you read his book, no? Do you say reeds. that in the book? What? Sea of Reeds. Sea of Reeds. Well, which either well, one. There was a natural party. 
Yeah, I'm saying so. She agrees, is correct. True, whatever it is, if you end that spot and where the miracle occurred, where the sea was split, you suppose you make a blessing. You yeah. make the blessing, it's actual blessing you're obligated to make, which is, Underwater. No, no, I have to spell it. <laughs> the miracles they came out. So, like similar to what we say on the blessing on the Hanukkah, that a miracle occurred to my forefathers on this spot. Okay. Today it's the Suez Canal. That's your opinion. You're entitled say to it. Again? That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. I'm glad. Uh, but and the world is wrong. Those are my opinions. Yes. Okay. Okay, so, so, uh, so if you want to f- know more Is about this, read Manny has a book on this whole, on this topic. You have a book that explains that. By the way, you know, yeah. there was some uh, wheels found, I forgot whether it was a That's Sea Ridge or the Red Sea Ridge, yeah. yeah you know, from ancient to from yes. they figured out Golden chariot wheels, which right. they claim was Pharaoh's chariot wheels. Right. I don't, think, I don't think it's real because wood would degrade. No, it's not wood, it's metal. So it's, uh, it's gold. Gold, gold, gold wouldn't and, uh, degrade. Yeah, it's, it's made out of metals. Actually, I've seen a, I've seen a film about it. National Geographic had a whole piece on it. Anyway, so, so, uh, so whatever the case is, um, if you had somewhere where a miracle happened, an actual miracle, which is Shaloka Derechatev, again, outside the realm of nature, whether it happened to your forefathers, then you'd say the bracha, Shasenisim Lavasenu, that a miracle occurred on this spot, to my forefathers. If it's a miracle that occurred to, even, by the way, if, let's say, your father had a miracle occur to him, or your mother, or your great-grandfather, you, you, and you know the spot, if you visit that spot, you have to make a miracle, make a blessing. Same blessing. You say, Shasa, she, um, you don't say it in the plural because it's for you. Shasa Nesle, I don't know how you say it, I forgot the exact language. But even now, let's say a personal miracle happened to me, okay, to yourself, and you visit that spot again, so you also would make a blessing. So you say, Shasa Li Nes Pemakomazet. Again, you come to that spot, you have to thank God that a miracle occurred. So, again, you were, uh, what would be a case, I don't know, you you, pay, you uh, jumped out of a plane, with your parachute didn't open, and you hit the ground, and everything was fine. Splat. So, uh... Went to Lord's. So, so you'd make, if you visit that spot again, don't go, I wouldn't advise jumping out of a plane again, jump, but jump. then you'd, jump, you jump. make a blessing. But it has to be what's called an open miracle. Okay? So now let's say, for example, uh, one of the... One of the Entebbe hostages goes back to U- Uganda, and the name of the airport is still Entebbe, and you're landing in, and you're going to back to Africa, and you're landing in Entebbe, and you were one of the hostages. So that's already questionable because it's not an open miracle. Listen, again, it was miraculous. It was the only ever successful hostage um, rescue on that level that ever occurred, that people rescued, you know, whatever it was, 250 people, I don't know, exact number. So it was clearly miraculous, but it wasn't an open miracle, according to the laws of nature. It, it could have happened. Idi Amin wasn't of the smartest people, you know, it's, it's possible that they that it, it, it fit in with the realm of nature. So therefore, that's questionable. That's an argument, for example. The Bible Rebbe says you do. If you go to that spot, someone who's a hostage would have to make a blessing. Um, others rule, others say, no, it's not, it's, it's within the realm of nature, that miracle, even though it's miraculous, and therefore you won't make a blessing. Who would want to go back? That's the question. Yeah, Israelis do business, they go back. They make money, they'll go back. <laughs> okay, so now, so again, so there's two types of miracles. So, so for example, Hanukkah, that's why, the reason why the uh, commentaries explain that, um, that uh, we focus on the miracle of the lights as opposed to the, to the military victory 
which we discussed in the Tzayin Nisim in the prayer. But the, the main thing about Hanukkah is we focus on the lights again because the the blessings when we make the blessing on a mitzvah it has to be an open miracle. Okay, we're making a blessing on a miracle, not on a mitzvah. It has to be on an open a miracle, something that's out of the realm of nature. So therefore, we focus on the the uh, on the lights as opposed to the military victory. Even though really the real celebration of the holiday is about the military victory, it wasn't about some lights. You know, okay, they lit, lit a menorah. By the way, halachically speaking, they didn't even have to. Um, they didn't have to have pure oil because Allah is you could use impure oil but it was just an extra it was a nice thing that God was showing them gave them a sign but really the main part of Hanukkah is the military victory that we won over the Syrian Greeks and the fact that we didn't get assimilated and all become Hellenists we'd all be wearing white robes today and, and uh, running in the Olympics if, if that was true sorry in the news in the news Christians and the Muslims why don't they what does that mean why should they Jews lost. No, the Jews won. No, I know, but if they lost, where were the Christians and the Muslims? Oh, okay, that's true, right. I saw that yesterday, someone they posted on Facebook. Greek. If not for the if not for the Maccabees, not for the Maccabees everyone we'd all be celebrating that. <laughs> we should all celebrate, but we don't. That's a good point. Well, clearly the rabbis aren't interested in celebrating the military victory. Of course we are. That's, Where, where's that's the military in the holiday itself? Where's the military victory, as we celebrate contempor- uh, in contemporary times? It is. It's in the Alanism. The Alanism just may, may not just, but mostly talks about the military. Victory. The prayer we yeah. say in the Shmona Esrei, Hanukkah, and all the Midah and the benching is all about the military victory. Yeah, but primarily, and, and you you didn't hear what I said. The only reason we focus on the lights is because in order to make a blessing, it can only be done on a a miracle against the laws of nature. So the light miracle was against the laws of nature. The military victory wasn't, and therefore we can't make a blessing on that part. So yeah, that's why we focus on the light. Really doesn't give any credit to the Maccabees. It downplays their role. It gives all the credit to God. I think the rabbis... Always give the credit to God. But I think it's that's more what than Thanksgiving means. That's his whole thing. We're I, saying I think it's something more happens more in your life, don't thank the parachute, don't thank, thank God. That's what we're saying. That's exactly uh, the point. Uh, Always about God. The rabbis are trying to downplay the zealotry of the Maccabees. No. I don't know. I don't know history so well, so that you gotta speak to the story. Speak okay. to many. I don't know. But, but we be you know, Alanisim and the Mematiyat Matiyat. Yeah, right. So that's not downplaying the military victory. The whole thing is about the military victory. That's clear. I mean, again, it's about yes, thanking God. That's the idea. When you win, that's the point. You're supposed to recognize it's from Hashem. It's not from your might. The Israeli soldiers win a war. When Israel wins a war, that's the, you're supposed to thank God. Not the idea. That's exactly the point. So now, okay. So getting to the, uh, getting back to the. So first of all, by the way, there's another just to show you another similar thing. We might as well connect to the parsha with. Once we're here already, and it's uh, a have a filler. So uh, the parsha is also about with Yosef. It's an interesting thing when they throw the brothers in the pit. Um, no, sorry, you know the brothers throw Yosef in the pit. So there's there's two miraculous aspects to the story. It actually says that as we mentioned once in the past, Torah says the pit was empty. There was no water. So Rashi says there, and it's quoting Gemara. Medrash says there was no water in the pit, so they didn't kill him immediately. But there was snakes and scorpions in the pit. Okay, so there was the uh, things that were should have should have and could have killed him, and then of course the the Arab merchants came by, they sold him. But if he would have stayed in there, and even at that period, that amount of time he wasn't there, however amount of time it was, he should have died. Miraculously, it says 
he was saved. So it says, uh, and of course the other miracle of Joseph is the whole story, um, which is that he became the viceroy of Egypt, and he's, that ended up uh, saving his whole family, etc., and bringing the whole Jewish nation out to Egypt, which was all in God's plan. But that wasn't an open miracle. That was uh, within the realm of nature. He was sold as a slave. He was a good guy. He knew what he was doing. He knew his finances. He was a good accountant. And he r- ran up the ranks. He interpreted dreams and got become the king of Egypt. Again, see Manny's book about that. Second book. That's your other book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pushing a Don't hold back. book. It's it on Amazon.com. It doesn't address that period oh, doesn't? of time. Are you okay. okay. an agent? <laughs> it's Amazon. I get a I get a commission. <laughs> so uh, so the bottom line is um, so so it says the Medrash says when Joseph was coming back to pick up his father after he was viceroy, he went to get his father and bring him down to Egypt. So it says he when he passed the pit, he made a blessing. Shasan li nes that a miracle occurred to me in this spot. He made this blessing because again, if you pass the spot where a miracle occurred to you, and so he even though again the whole mm-hmm. miracle. Really, the greater miracle, if you think about it, was, okay, you saved from scorpions and snakes, a uh, very nice thing. Everyone had a story with a kid, they were, you know, snake almost bit them, and, right? But the, the greater miracle was the whole story, but why do you wait to get to that spot? Because, again, you could only make the blessing at a place where an open miracle occurred. If it occurred, occurred within the realm of nature, there isn't, there, you don't make a blessing on it. Okay, so that's the basic halacha. So now, getting to medical issues, so the Shulchan Aruch talks about um, illness, one of the four things, this is where the, it says if someone, uh, so again, by, by the way, this is a question going to, let's say, uh, my father's a concentration, a concentration camp survivor, um, I never went back to Poland, he didn't either, he refused to go back, but assuming he would go to some of the places, literally miracles occurred to him, again, where they opened, they weren't against the laws of nature, but he had Nazis saving his life when he was almost shot, he escaped, uh, um, so he has um, amazing stories that happened to him, um, he, I'll just tell you one quickly, and the question would be, if I go there to that camp, he, um, would, I, would I make a blessing? Um, do I make a blessing? So again, it's a very gray area as to how to define what's called a miracle, what's what's not called a miracle. Let's tell you one amazing story. My father um, was he he was uh, you know the way he survived. He was 14 years old when the war broke out. Well, one of the ways he survived was whenever they asked for any type of you know if you have any uh, um, talent, skills. any skills, yeah, he skills. would uh, he would just raise his hand. He was a yeshiva boy in zero education. Besides Torah, he knew nothing. But they once, uh, so they once, they asked for bricklayers. He raised his hand. He went to work as a bricklayer. They, wa- they asked once for blacksmiths. So he raised his hand and he said he's a blacksmith. They said, what type of blacksmith are you? You know, there's different types. So whatever the guy before him said, he said the same thing. And he, he was uh, he was so uh, good at his blacksmith skill, he, they put him in a factory making Messerschmitt's planes, um, the bodies for the Messerschmitt's. And uh, my father became the foreman in the factory. <laughs> okay, so he was a good blacksmith. Yeshiva, you never know what skills you learn from the Talmud. So he became the foreman in the factory, um, but obviously he didn't know what he was doing. So the, they would make the bodies of Master Schmitz and they would put him on the rail on the railroad and ship him back to Germany to put in the engines and to make the rest of the planes. So they were just making the bodies in this factory. Of course, the, because my father was the foreman, the planes did not work. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't fly very well for whatever reason. I don't know exactly what, what he was doing <laughs> wrong. I don't know if he knew what he was doing wrong. But bottom line is, they so they realized something was going on. What happened was in the factory. Um, so my father was the foreman. And then uh, the, there was two non-Jewish Poles who were not happy and they weren't, uh, they had to work in the factory. So 
the son was sick. Anyway, whenever they went to the SS car, the head of the factory, and they said, you know, this guy, why should there Jew be the foreman? We want to be the foreman. And we want to, why are you letting a Jew be the foreman? So they took my father down, they put this guy in his place. Two days later, four SS men show up from Germany, and they said, there's sabotage going on in the factory. They took the guy and his son, they <laughs> shot him on his mouth. Whoa. <laughs> right, so is that an open murder? There are probably only two real blacksmiths in the whole place. Everyone else is a Jew saying, sure, exactly. I'm a blacksmith. <laughs> Exactly. So, so is that an open miracle? Listen, I, clearly to me it's an open miracle. My father yeah. believed it was a miracle, oh, but but is do you make a blessing if you go? It's within the realm of nature. Listen, he was a Jew, and they put a pole in the spot. So then he has many such make stories. Make a blessing if he goes back to that spot. Where well, that's the question. So I'm saying, would he make a blessing if he goes back to that spot or not? I think I wouldn't go back. <laughs> so, so it's this is a vague. So it's not clear. Meaning, where where. Um, I think to make a blessing, literally, I was saying it's a miracle. It has to be, again, outside the realm of nature. So the question becomes, we have a concept in halacha called uh, gomel blessing, which is, um, which is when there are four categories of things that happen. And you realize there be so many people here. A sheep handed out to share with someone next to you. Um, I think that's it. I have more, maybe, but I have to find them too late. So, so the Shokhanach discusses something called the Goma blessing, which is based, by the way, in the times of the temple, you actually bring a carbon toda if something, if you were saved from one of four categories. Those four categories, the way the Shokhanach gives, tells, lets you remember them, is, is, uh, it says, all who have lived should praise Hashem, thank Hashem. It's based on a verse in Telem. And Chaim stands for four things. Um, Chaim, the first letter is Chaf, is Chet, which is Chavash, uh, um, Chovesh, um, well, again, I think it's Chovesh, uh, which means captured, someone who's captured. Um, second category is Yisurin, someone who's, who's suffering, who is ill, suffering. The second year is Yam. You crossed overseas in those days. A dangerous crossing overseas. Today it also is. And the fourth one, the fourth letter of the word Chaim is Mem is Midbar. If you cross through a desert, so those four categories. It says if a Jew did that, they have to make the Goma blessing when they get back, and they're okay. Yeah. To make I, I had that. Yeah. I, I went to visit my son in Haifa. So I went to his shul, chief rabbi of Haifa, who was acting chief rabbi of Israel at the time. Cohen, uh, he's not alive anymore. No, he died. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I got an aliyah. So I was going to say I was going to bench Goma. He says, No, 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 you can't bench Goma. No, you got to bench when you go back. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. to distinguish between open miracle and other miracle. If I understand correctly, the essence of it is an open miracle is impossible. A, uh, the other kind of meaning it's against the realm of, it's going outside the laws of nature okay. something happened that uh, doesn't make sense here for a second. impossible according to the way to understand the laws of nature whereas yeah. the other is statistically very unlikely but conceivable within the realm of nature yes okay something like that yes huh they're both statistical. One is no, he's saying... No, well, America, outside the law of nature, it's, not, it's, it's impossible. It's not... No, it's still statistical. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm something that the odds are so long that it would be an eternity for them to happen. Okay. <laughs> nothing to do. Okay. Well, that's that's <laughs> not the way he's defining it. If he's defining it, it is literally impossible. According to how we understand the world right. works, it is impossible. That keeps on changing. That would be a miracle, right? Yes. But statistically... It can happen. It 
can. Yeah, but the odds are very. Low. I mean, it happened once. It happened at splitting yeah. in the sea. Okay, so uh, yeah, you know what they're saying? They're saying it did happen. That's why it's statistically possible. Splitting in the sea. These things have happened in the world. No, that's the fu- that's people dumbing do see down. Mary in their that's in dumbing their, down uh, the definition of a miracle. If it happens it, once. It doesn't make it statistically possible. It makes it as a miracle. It's a one-off. I mean, no, I'm saying not just once. People see Virgin Mary every day in their in their toast or whatever. You know, you, we see on the internet. People posting these pictures. So, if it happens twice, you see Virgin Mary twice in your toast. So, yeah. if you when you go to uh, cross the sea and you go into Israel and you come back, do you bench Gomel then? Yeah, so only every, when you come back. No, so no, that's his opinion. You, Most rabbis say you technically you mention it each time you cross the sea. No. But you do it every time you cross the sea, even if it's going to the uh, Eretz. Yeah, wherever you're going. Crossing the sea itself is dangerous. Actually, in a plane, it's questionable because you're not really crossing the sea. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going over the seas, but you're in the air. It's a miracle. Yeah. So, <laughs> so actually, yeah, I'm saying so. Right, so that's a, but, and today you go on a cruise. I mean, it's safer probably than a lot of well, driving on the 610, but that, that's a different question. So if you drive on the 610, you have to go to shul, you have to go out every day. So, okay, so again, that's not an open miracle. Um, the truth is, driving at 610, sometimes there are open miracles. <laughs> the mattress is flying off the truck in front of you and goes right over your car. <laughs> I've had a few of those. It's pretty much an open miracle. Um, okay, so, so, so again, so now we're going to, since it's a medical class, we're going to try to focus um, on illness. And meaning what happens at which point, because one of the things you say, bench comal, when an illness occurred, and now you're on the other side of the illness, thank God you're well. And w- so how does that work? What we define as illness, it has to be, again, an illness that's dangerous, that, as we're going to see, life danger, danger to your life, and thank you very much. Look at that. Lovely. And, um, and then, uh, um, and at which point, uh, if it's a reoccurring illness, or if it's, let's say, a chronic illness, so, so there are a lot of questions there, which we discussed at a different class, I don't remember, a few years ago, so I'm not going to, I want to focus on some other things that I saw, but, but let's just read here. This at which point, what, does it become a miracle? No, 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 at which point does it become, you're healed. When it comes to Be'er Goma, we, we're more lenient, in, it doesn't have to be a miracle, it has to be, okay. the assumption is, so person, let's, again, we're focusing on illness, you were ill, and now you're healed. At which point do you thank God? Is it, uh, you know, which point in the healing period? Were you just better? Had surgery, or right. Or I'm cured, right, exactly. So there's a number of questions. So I'll read you the Shulchan Aruch, says like this. One must recite this blessing, the blessing of Berchat HaGomel, which, by the way, the, the language of the blessing is HaGomel Chayavim Tovot, who bestows goodness um, to one who... I don't know, know the translation? Who, who bestows goodness to the, the one... You're blessing Hashem to the one who bestows goodness... Um, there's different nusachs, um, different ways to say it. Um, um, even though, meaning you might have been guilty, I should have, I deserved maybe what I got, but you're thanking Hashem, but uh, He still bestows goodness. Um, anyway, okay, so it says, the Shulchan Aruch writes like this One must recite this blessing after any illness, even if it was not life threatening or internal. Rather, anyone who was ill enough to take to bed must pronounce the blessing when he recuperates, since it's as if he, is, he or she has stood before a court to be judged. So when a person's ill, it says, certain sense, you have to view yourself as this is judgment. And I hope I'm, I'm merit, mer- meritorious enough to make it out of his illness. So there's no difference whether he has a chronic condition that recurs intermittently, or whether the onset of his illness is new. So when you want to say someone has a chronic illness, where they, they constantly end up, uh, God forbid, in the hospital, whatever the case is, they, uh, whatever the case may be, and then they come out. They have a procedure done, and then they're out. 
So that you stole, does, just because it's going to happen again, and you already know you survived this three times, that doesn't make it any less of a reason to thank God. Okay, you still have to thank God when you're done with, with that illness. Here's a Chabad translation, if you're interested. Can we read it? Read it please. Uh, blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who bestows kindness upon the culpable, for he has bestowed goodness to me. Okay. Now, you so what do you do in the, in the case of cancer, which, yeah, you've, you've survived, you've gone beyond the five years, but there's a genetic component, because people I mean, get occurrence years later. Awesome. So the question is, is... When do you have, no, so again, once the doctor says you're in remission, you're done it's at that point. Best. Yeah, I'm saying, like we're saying, that's what he's saying. Even if, God forbid, it's recurring, it doesn't take away from the fact that I survived. I survived this right yeah. now, and I'm good to go. Right now, I'm healthy. Okay? No, not Mishabara. That's something else. I know. You should always pray. Praying is always a good thing. We're talking about specifically, you're saying this blessing that God saved me from this illness. And we're saying even a much lower level of illness. The, the Shokhanach, and we'll see, there's two opinions, seems to say even as once you got into bed for three days, is the way they can interpret it, for an illness. Let's say it was the flu. People die from the flu. It's now the season, and once you get their flu shot. Um, Especially this demographic. <laughs> Speak for yourself. So, even if it says someone's ill enough where they had to get into bed for three days, doesn't mean you're, you know, depression is a different thing. We're not talking, we're talking about someone had a real illness, had high fever, and they're in bed for three days. Or even, or if it was a dangerous illness, and they didn't get into bed, but it's dangerous. So then you, you, you have to make the goma blessing. Again, and it's this gray area exactly how to interpret that. So, but the Ramah says he, he disagrees. He says there are some who say they want you to not recite this blessing unless he suffer a life-threatening illness. So it has to be something life-threatening, such as an internal uh, affliction, something internal. Okay, um, whether it's a it's a um, whatever internal illness it is, but it has to be internal. I Meaning, if you got a cut on your hand, you got stitches where it wasn't extremely dangerous, so then you're not going to make that blessing. So that's the Ashkenazi custom, is to only make the Goma blessing if someone had a life-threatening illness. But if it wasn't life-threatening, then you don't make the blessing. Even if you got into bed and you were there for two weeks, you had the chicken pox, whatever it is. Again, it, it could be depending on the person and the demographics, as Shelley's saying. A uh, uh, normal, healthy person might not be, it's not a life-threatening illness. For some illnesses that for an elderly person or a young child might be a, a life-threatening yeah. illness. So. So you're right. You have to assess that situation. Each situation differently. That's yeah, basically the bus. Yeah. Beth Yashir, you almost never see it. Okay. How about at Marlam? And you see people saying Benjamin Gomel very often. Yes, when traveling. Yeah. 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 Right. By the way, it's not only for illness. Like we're saying, let's say you were in a car accident and right. you and you're okay. Your car flipped over and you you came out okay, even if you weren't hurt. But you were in a dangerous situation. That alone requires this blessing. Okay. Um, sorry. So. Um, so that's that's number one. So a few interesting cases. First of all, there's a lot of discussion about what happens if it's a self-afflicted illness. Let's say someone attempted suicide and they survive. Do you bench, bench Gomel or not? That's one thing, one interesting case I saw discussed, which is they say um, most post, some post him, or most actually say, listen, it's like uh, 
if you're eating tray food, do you make a blessing on the, the question? Eating a cheeseburger, do I make a bracha on the cheeseburger, or do I bench? Right. So the so the uh, just, uh, discusses it. He says no. It's called. David Amel says a verse. Uh, King David in Psalm says, Hashem. Sometimes your blessing is disgusting. So a person's eating a cheeseburger and they're blessing Hashem. That's that's disgusting. Again, of course, it's a life dangerous. If, if you need to eat it because your doctor said so, then it's a mitzvah. Then it's questionable. But if you're eating a cheeseburger just for the fun of it. Um, so then you don't make a blessing, even though, listen, I, I'm still, I want to thank God for the cheeseburger. No, that's called a disgusting thing. So some say, someone attempted suicide, as we know, it's a grave sin, of course, not if they're mentally ill, that's a different story. And now they survived the suicide, someone pulled them off the bridge. So, so uh, it's the same situation, you did the sin, and now you're going to thank God for the sin that you did, you're acknowledging the sin that I did, so don't make the blessing. But the Shalom Zalman Urbach disagrees, he says no says uh, you still make the blessing even in a case like that. Yeah. There, there are cases where people have attempted suicide and have survived and is an act uh, as act a result of God. depression. Mir- Mir- oh. But afterwards, their depression goes away. In that case, you think so, right. So they do discuss that, by the way. If someone survives a, an emotional illness also, that's a reason to make the goma loss. Not sick, just about physical There are survivors illness. from jumping off the Golden Bridge, Cape Bridge. Each one of them said the same story. Yeah. As soon as they jumped, they said something like, what am I doing? What, what was that? Mean? Mean? And it cured them so, their depression. Yes, and they say, this is so stupid. What am I doing? <laughs> they all say the same thing. <laughs> so we don't have much more time. So I'm just going to, one other fascinating case I found, an interesting case he discusses here. This is a real question in 1992, um, where it's about uh, someone who had a automatic defibrillator um, implanted. Right? So you know what those those are? For those of us in this demographic. Actually, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows what they are. Okay. So, right, so basically, it, it automatically when it detects the rhythm, the rhythm is off. So it shocks the heart and helps to get you back in rhythm, right? So the question is. In this case, the question was, he, you don't even know when it's working necessarily. You don't even know what happens. Afterwards, when they take out the chip, the doctor can tell you no, you don't want when it kicked in. That thing, it, it gives you a kick. Oh, yeah. You okay. know what's happening. In this case, it sounds like the guy didn't know. When it, the question is, does every time it goes off, does he have to make the goma blessing or not? Is that considered enough of a danger? That was the question mm-hmm. posed to the rabbi. Um, what would you say? No, it's part of medical treatment. Yeah. Yeah, but you're yeah, dead. That means you could have been without it. You yeah. could have been dead. You yeah. Well, every time you take okay. insulin, you could do it. Oh, that's a good <laughs> no, question. Also, what right happens right if right you're right. in a uh, and it's left Sorry, track? Uh, what's it called? Yeah, hypoglycemic shock. So you make a goma left there. I saw that address too. Hypoglycemic. Yeah, you could die from that. So it's not a physical. It's not a physical miracle. That you survive. No, I'm saying we said illness doesn't need such a great. The, if you survived an illness, a life-threatening illness, you have to make a gomo. Oh, so this case, what does he do? A life-threatening. Technically, he was in his his rhythm was off. Mm. His rhythm, his heart rhythm was off. So therefore, he was in a life-threatening situation. I say yes. Definitely yes. What's the vote? Nice. I say no. I say no. Advanced medicine. Back. We have. I would say no. No, you say no. Okay, so let, let's read the case and uh, let's see what he says. He says, um, he describes the, I'm not going to read the whole question here. It's in Hebrew. He says, A number of years, there's this new technology. He says that uh, that suffer from um, shortness of breath, etc. And 
goes through the whole thing, and it's in Hebrew, so I don't understand all the words. But he says they, they open up and they, insta- they implant this this uh, machine called an automatic defibrillator. Someone could say that in Hebrew. Also, sh- um, automatic defibrillator. <laughs> okay, he explains how it works. Then he says like this. So he says, um, Um, okay, so he says, I'll note, the, the patient will feel when his heart, his rhythm off, he'll feel bad, he'll feel something. But many times he loses his memory or his recognition of it, doesn't realize it. So he says, um, question is, with this automatic defibrillator to branch coma. Saying, let's say it's a case where he didn't realize it happened. Then he goes to visit his cardiologist, and his cardiologist tells him, by the way, you had an incident uh, a he month died ago. A week ago. Three weeks ago, it went off, and uh, two weeks ago, and he tells him when. So does he bench Gomel now on that incident that occurred um, the two weeks before? And he doesn't really know when the miracle happened. So a miracle happened, he was cured. The defibrillator worked and shocked him back, um, shocked his heart back to rhythm, but. Does he? He doesn't know when even. Okay, so he says. So he answers. He says near the mivarchem He says, "We. It would seem to me you do bench kamel, but not so quick. We'll see. Both everyone's right here. He says. Um, he says when it's you do asman. Even if you don't know when the miracle occurred, you don't know when you were healed, when it when it took effect. And he brings a proof from actually there's a story in the Talmud describes it says when the Jews were in the exodus leaving Egypt so they went they crossed a, a river called Nachal Arnon the river of Arnon and it says um, the Amorites um, were in the back of them they were on the mountains they were hiding with an ambush they shot arrows I don't know the story so well and they and no one realized they were attacked by the Amorites there were two people all the way in the back all of a sudden they saw blood on them at a later point when they were traveling they, they saw their clothes were bloody and then they heard the story that the Amorites tried to attack them in this in this valley, in this uh, river. Okay, um, and it was it says there were two uh, actually, Mitzrayim. Um, how do you say Mitzrayim? Lep- lepers who were outside the camp. They were stragglers in the back. They didn't want to infect the camp, so they were walking in the back. And they actually realized there was blood. They saw blood on the on the path or whatever it was, and they told Jewish people. And there it says. Um, they said Shira. It says the Jewish people all sang Shira together to thank Hashem for what happened. So he says, you see from that story that even if you don't know when the miracle occurred, it occurred sometime a few days ago, they have no idea when it happened, if it happened, who it happened to, but they all sang Shira. So you see the obligation to thank God for a miracle that occurs, even if you don't know what happened and when it happened. That's his proof in that story. Um, so he says too, so therefore Gomel also says, He says at the end of the day, he would he would rule that you don't bench Gomel, you don't say the blessing of Gomel um, for the automatic defibrillator. Why? Because he says Nimtsasha he says since it's implanted in your body, it's now like an organ. Part of you. It's part of you. It's now a natural remedy um, that's implanted in your body. It's like medicine. So let's say someone's taking medicine. So everything you can tell me every time you take their medicine for their insulin, like we're saying, every time you take insulin, you're gonna have to make bench Gomel. No, medicine is now uh, unfortunately part of our lives. Right, um, uh, most people. My mother takes uh, something like 15 pills twice a day. <laughs> right, this is part of life um, today. In, in it's different. The fibrillator. You did get dead. 
It stops you from getting dead. It's really life-threatening. Well, not for sure you get dead. Oh, yeah, we're taking For sure get dead. Sometimes there's not enough functioning heart tissue. Sometimes. And, well, I know a particular case. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not every time that it checks. But he had to have a procedure done and an implantable pump put in. Pump of what? Because part of his body. Yeah, but that's the, the same. That's, 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 that's a little different because here you actually get dead. Your heart stops or goes in yeah, V-fib you're, you're and you're dead. You're being shocked. And, and it right. So he's saying, he's saying it's just like, he wants to say, this is his opinion, he says it's just like medicine today where it, it happens automatically. So you're not, and since it's implanted in your body, it's happening automatically. Nothing is done. You don't have to call the ambulance. You don't have to go to the emergency room. So he wants to say, you don't, you don't make a blessing for that. He says, but since... It's not clear. He says you should get you should get an aliyah to Torah, and you say you could either say it without God's name, you could make the blessing, or you can say it. He says uh, you just say Baruch Hashem when you get the aliyah. You could say it. You say it, um, um, or it says it's a morning blessing that also has a very similar language. So you should say that in public again. So he says that's the. It's um, not again. It's not a real. It's not a real miracle. Um, he says he should also give charity, of course, when you <coughs> survived it. But it doesn't. He would say not to make the blessing. Yes. You know, if you're taking maintenance medicine, you're taking your statin, it keeps you alive, you're not going to say. Exactly, that's you're the not. point. But if you have septicemia and you get antibiotics in the hospital, you, uh, for an acute episode that's going to kill you, you do say it. So where is the defibrillation between those two? He's saying since it's implanted and it happens automatically without... Uh, you having to do anything, therefore it's considered we view it as, like the as taking, yeah, yeah. taking medicine and taking. That's what he says. So, uh, so I, I have to leave. I'm gonna end the class, but I'll just end up with actually story speaking of medicine. I think I've told this here before. So there's a rabbi who comes to town. He's currently 95. His name is Rabbi Greenblatt. Can you remember the story? So he told me what he was once. He's 95. Uh, he still travels. He does all the gittin in town. He used to. He actually, now he's semi-retired. Where they, we took over a little bit, but he does all the divorces. Um, he flies in from Memphis. He's been doing this for 65 years now. You met him. I hope you meet him personally. Larry Greenblatt. His name is nothing Greenblatt. He's in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. So he's a very uh, yeah. old man, not politically correct. So he once he stays in my house when he comes. He stays in he stays in Houston, and uh, he stay when he comes to Houston. He stays in my home. So. He eats very little. He won't even eat in my house. Not kosher enough. But uh, not kosher so, enough. <laughs> but he uh, he, he, he benches uh, Gomel when he goes. <laughs> he, <laughs> and once he, he always is in a great mood. He's very jolly. And once he saw he was he he's an amazing man. He drives. He'll drive sometimes. Uh, you know, he missed his flight. He'll drive halfway to Memphis. Drive a little rock and catch a flight from there. Ninety ninety four now ninety five. So amazing guy. Anyway, so he, once he was in my home, and he said, uh, "I saw he wasn't he wasn't himself." So I said, "What's the matter?" He says, "I have a headache." I said, "You want some aspirin?" He says, "Aspirin? No." He says, "Well, you know, I saw he really was not feeling well." So uh, I, yeah, I said, "You know what? I take some aspirin." You're sick. So he says, "Listen, Rabbi, let me tell you." He says, "My whole life." He tells me seriously. He says, "I've taken four pills in my life." 95 years old. He says, the doctors in Memphis know, whatever happens, high blood pressure, they can put me on any diet, but I don't take pills. He says, I don't take medicine. So I said, why not? He, so he says, let me tell you a story. Gross, he calls me gross. He says, gross, I'll tell you a story. He says, uh, he says, when I was nine years old, his father was uh, living in Israel at the time, he says, my father took me to Rav Cook, who was the chief rabbi, the first chief rabbi of Palestine before the state of Israel, uh, Rav Nitzchel Cohen Cook. He says, my father took me to visit Rav Cook. 
And he asked the blessing. I was nine years old at the time. He says, if Cook put me on his lap and he gave me a, ble a blessing for long life. He says, says Grossman, blessing from Cook, long life, money in the bank. Pills fat. <laughs> that's what he told me. He said, I have nothing to worry about. He's 96, oh, still driving. Four pills in his life.